Dude, I went to uh, AEW this week. I remember. 420, right? Pittsburgh? Yeah, 420 nice. Pittsburgh. It was awesome. It was awesome. Me and my brother went. Who uh any good stuff at good any good stuff there? No, it was a it was a lot of good stuff. Uh uh debut for my boy Hook. Uh, he got okay. confronted by, by my other boy Danhausen. So they're gonna have a fight housing eventually. Yeah, our famous ass boy. Yep. Yep, the ass yeah, the, the, <laughs> the leader of the inventor of the ass boys. Yep. The arch enemy of Rod and Todd ass. <laughs> Uh, we I, were able to see uh, Britt Baker, the professional wrestler who is also an actual dentist. Not a gimmick. She is a dentist. She has a, a dentistry practice that she does whenever she's not uh, wrestling on national TV, which is amazing. Uh, and I got to also see the who I have considered the greatest wrestler in the world for quite some time now. I got to see some John Moxley action. Love him. <laughs> Love him. We all know this. I tended to watch him when he was a different name, but he's our subject today, correct? I mean, why not? Right. We were reading a really boring book. <laughs> Cubs. Sometimes... <laughs> Yeah. It it the old adage when you meet the people that you are fans of, right? Same sometimes, thing goes for books sometimes. Yeah. It because okay. we are admitted fans of Ron Howard. The Grinch sure. Who Stole Christmas is a classic. <laughs> He's the narrator in the rest of development, one of my favorite shows yeah. of all time. Uh beautiful mind like he's good <laughs> he's a good it, dude. the list could go forever with it yeah. yeah but and and clinton howard too his brother a a yeah. horror icon a character actor icon uh love him in an ice cream man he's he's in he's one of those that guy actors and it's just you you think that a book written by two dudes who had almost like polar opposite careers but we're still brothers would be at least interesting that was a big fail it was it, instead it was not so sorry mr and mr howard uh but we literally didn't know how we could talk about it <laughs> No, I, you know, it was the, the thing for me when we were doing it was as I was reading it, I was highlighting facts focused around people that they were in communication with throughout their career, yeah. not them. Oh, that right. was a problem for me. Like, if I'm, if I'm more interested in George Lucas yeah. when I'm reading a book about somebody entirely different. Yeah, who's specifically <laughs> not George Lucas. Yeah, like, it's weird. Yeah. I should no still a cool story but it's it's a it's a slog (laughs) and so we had another book put in here that we were going to do later on in the year we weren't sure when and i'm happy that you actually suggested yeah no definitely i the first thing i could think of was that 
Yeah, that we talk mocks. Now I'm gonna. I, I said this a little bit before we got on here. Um, I would really like you to almost take control of the issue of this conversation because something that I'm always interested in whenever discussing wrestling books is who are these wrestling books for? They have to have a limited, uh, like a limited capacity of interest because not everybody's a wrestling fan. As a matter of fact, out of all the professional sports, it's pretty much down there with the least respected. So the only- It was that in hockey. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot, yeah, right. And I love hockey, you Absolutely. know that. Like that is my jam, but I understand like most people don't care that a hockey game is on on a Tuesday night. Right. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And even less people tune into fake yeah. fighting. <laughs> what it, if I had like, the channels? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know that a, an autobiography is written for wrestling fans, but it almost seems like every per every wrestler who writes a wrestling autobiography also believes deep down in their heart that theirs will be the first one to be popular outside of wrestling fans and so they all have they all do this and Mox is not innocent of this they all explain that pro wrestling is fake, even though the target audience knows that it's fake. Yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> and then the best is when they start describing how they do moves. Because like, why would the, a person who doesn't watch wrestling is not going to be able to keep up with how you're describing you're doing the move and the person who watches wrestling already knows how you do the move because they've seen you do the move yeah. so why take the time to describe it to anybody who's not a wrestling fan i didn't mind it you didn't i think no i'll tell you what you didn't mind it because <laughs> because you this is your first wrestling uh, uh, book and to be fair John Moxley doesn't do it as much as other ones do uh, but oh. like the but like uh, uh, Bret Hart he like goes in deep detail about how he how he does his moves I read the Young Bucks autobiography and it is mm. down because their moves are all tag team maneuvers and they're very complicated very athletic and they're yeah. spectacular to see in real life however it's hard to keep up with if you're reading how it's done. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. There was only, I think there was only one time I remember reading this where it got a little crazy, where he kind of described an entire fight at one point. Yeah. And I just was like, okay, I got it. Like, when I'm watching, because for me, when I'm watching a wrestling event, I'm not looking at how you twisted his arm to make sure that they didn't get hurt, and then you could maneuver to the next thing, right? I'm like... Right. No, he did that arm thing to set him up so that he can fly at him in the corner. Fucking sweet. Like, <laughs> that's what this is about. how you did it. Like, you did an arm thing and then you crashed into him and kicked his ass. Cool. <laughs> like, I'm good there. For a little specifics, we are talking uh, Mox 
the autobiography of John Moxley, uh, former WWE superstar Dean Ambrose, uh, currently signed to AW and uh, killing it with William Regal in the Black Bull Combat Club, which is my favorite thing going in wrestling right now. Uh, let's just start talking about it, Patrick. Where do you want to start with this thing? I just want to start at the beginning because I he opens up a little bit talking about the AEW, right? Yes. Um, and one of the things he describes very well throughout this is he... I truly believe he's doing this for the fans. When he is making up the storylines that he wants to do, or he's making up scripts in his head and how he's going to engage the, you know, the, the individuals watching it is for pure entertainment. He's not doing it to do the next cool move. Like a lot of the matches he explains in the books, he loses. Yeah. Especially through. Yeah. Especially <laughs> beginning to it's only the last couple years yeah in aw that he's really come out as as a as a killer and that's because in aew they brought him in to be that guy a killer yeah like that he was designed to do that where in the wwe he was that secondary really good wrestler that eventually almost uh, um and and he was the moving piece they could use and eventually, like, even, like, becoming just, like, a comedy character. Which mm-hmm. is a... Which is fine for certain wrestlers, but whenever you're somebody as talented as, as John Boxley... <laughs> yeah. To make him the comedy guy is, is not where you need it to be. Yeah, so to give the listeners a little background... Uh, when I was really young, I was into wrestling. Like, we went to a match in Philly. It was super fun. Um, I fell off of it. I didn't really have time to keep up with everything. We met up in college. We started watching it together. Kind of reignited my love for it. I, I just love that you can turn your brain off, enjoy all of these things happening on the screen, watch these storylines play out. I'll it's say, beautiful. I'll say this. I'll say this, like, at that time, it was really, really eye-opening in a cool way because, you know, I had been with this girl for the, for the longest time in high school, and, like, she made me stop wrestling, watching wrestling because, because she was embarrassed that I liked wrestling. Yeah. You know, so that made me stop watching. And then going to school... Uh, met up with some people, found out that they watched wrestling, and I was like, hell yeah, I'll come over and watch wrestling with you guys. And yeah. it was like the first episode back in, I knew that I was I was a fan again. And yeah. going from having somebody that I really cared about really be like putting me down for something that I enjoyed, and then going somewhere else and sharing that love then with other people that didn't put me down for loving something I enjoyed was just so cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, really, really yeah. helped me out. So, yeah, we start watching it together. Go on. Yeah. Um, and I think that just grew. I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't spend time every time the show's on to watch it, but I do keep up between what you tell me 
And every once in a while, I'll jump on to Peacock and I'll watch whatever happened recently just so I know what's going on. Um, And to be honest, I just like the design of the fights most of the time. I mean, it's just fun to watch them be creative, do new things. Um, You know, um, he talks about in his book, The Triple Power Bomb. That shit was awesome. Oh, man. And it was, and it looked awesome. for the moment they started doing that shit. It looked devastating. It was so cool, like, and you know, and part of it's that, right? They'll they'll design a new move and, and they'll unveil it without you even knowing they're gonna do it. And if you know these guys well enough or watch enough of it, you're like, oh shit, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> and you get to learn something new, and a lot of times it's based on a former wrestler that they knew. Or um, I remember watching their I wasn't i i did not order the pay-per-view that they debuted at as the shield but i remember watching the raw the next night and i mean you know me i try to stay away from from like what happened the night before uh but you you, i couldn't escape these three people coming down incredible and I only knew one of them from from you know being a, a wrestling fan who was kind of into the indies, kind of not into the indies at the time. I was Seth Rollins. Yeah, I was familiar yeah. a little bit with Tyler Black. Okay. You know, I knew I knew Tyler Black from his face, you know, but I didn't know his name was going to be Seth Rollins. And then I was like, oh shit, there's a huge Samoan dude there. Uh, <laughs> oh shit that guy <laughs> that's the thing about being a wrestling fan is you're like oh yeah that's a Samoan dude <laughs> yeah. where is he from Polynesia probably Polynesia <laughs> and then yeah yeah this other this other dude who I you know had I had no experience with really any of them other than Tyler Black and then they came out the next Monday night and they also whooped ass again. And I was like, fuck, yes. They just go in, they whoop ass, and then they left. And that's yeah. what I needed in my life. And also at the time, they were palling around with CM Punk. Yeah, yeah. He was an awesome, <laughs> awesome yeah. fucking fighter, man. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and you know, the, through, the, through the next few months of getting to know them seeing them in singles and tag team competition they were undefeated as a as a triple tag team for a long ass time for over like eight months or something nobody could crack the code of them and i remember watching them and just being so attracted to this guy named dean ambrose there was something about him that was so different than every other wrestler you know what he reminded me of and and you know i don't like talking about him but it really did make me feel like i was watching somebody who is like a chris benoit a guy that goes in there and when he gets in there he makes the fight look more realistic than anybody else can on that roster Dude, you made a perfect point there because, like, my thing, my thing for even reading this, like, after finishing this book, I sat down and thought about, like, everything I had watched him in before and what I felt after reading this. And, like, for, for me, 
I categor- categorized him as like a controlled Tasmanian devil. Yeah. Like he was oh, he always looked like he was wild, but at the same time you knew he knew exactly what he was doing. He was so good at like just acting it up and really selling the shit out of it. Like even the, the part in the book when he talks about um when he takes over the WWE championship where he only fights for like all of 30 seconds but he looks like he just ran a, a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's how you do it. <laughs> Sell it to us. Like you're exhausted from the last two years of your life trying to get this belt. Like, please. Just it let was, something uh, happen for it, you know? Yeah. And that's like, <sighs> what's really awesome about reading some of these books is getting those little tidbits of information. That's like, what? this is what happened in real life honestly man my favorite parts of this book were when he was he would talk about like oh we planned it out on like 15 seconds right before we go on we'd be like how we want to end this all right (laughs) (laughs) no plan they'd be like we know the first five minutes but what's the last 10 minutes this fight look like i don't know we'll just wing it (laughs) that is like what a that is what a wrestler does man you go out there you figure out the story in the ring you listen to the audience. Like you said, he's doing this for them. Yeah. You know, and you just get the, the, the chance through this book to really understand who this guy is. I don't know if there's any other wrestling book that like really puts you into the mind of the maybe Bret Hart's. But like even then, like there's just so much like tertiary information that I guess isn't necessary for an autobiography, but it's just so fun to have it. So one of the things it also does is relates it back to a normal person's life, right? Yeah. So he talks about the problems with while he was in WWE. Everybody has work problems. Just because he's in the WWE doesn't mean he doesn't have the same problems as us. Yeah. Guess what? He had problems with his boss. Don't we all? <laughs> like, yeah, he's he told constantly... us all about it, and that was cool. He's constantly talking in the book about having to apologize to people. Because <laughs> he says the F word once. <laughs> yeah. But he just uh, he just dropped the F bomb on an AEW recently. Oh, yeah. Are Straight into the mic. Prickly about it. Oh, so, okay. So they're not as prickly about it. No. So what had happened was it was his, he was in a program, but he left the company for six weeks. <laughs> to go into uh, alcohol rehabilitation. Yeah. To work on his addic- his his alcohol dependency. And when he mm-hmm. came back, he got in the ring and his music ended and some motherfucker in the audience screamed something at him about being like a worthless piece of trash or like a, a alcoholic son of a bitch or something like that. And he grabs that mic and he's like, you get that fat fucking pig out of here. (laughs) And the crowd, the crowd lost it. Oh, they had to. I mean, let let me put this out there for fans of anything. Don't do that. They're real people too. Listen, if you're going to boo them, boo them for like what they're doing in the, in the storylines. 
Yeah. If they're the bad guy, go ahead and boo them. If they were the good guy and all of a sudden they're bad, go ahead and boo them. Like, but don't don't boo the guy because yeah, he had an actual life like, experience. You just don't. Even if you don't like the dude's like character, or, like what they're doing, just don't boo, don't boo them based on their race, religion, ethnicity. No. Uh, personal beliefs sexual orientation if they're male or female who cares if that guy had read this book he probably would not be booing him that guy probably did read this book (laughs) he probably thought that he was just being the one funny person in a crowd of not funny people oh yeah so yeah we kind of got there um let me let me get to my next note here um he he has these views of what it is to succeed that I very much vibed with as well. Really eye-opening in some way. Yeah. Um, the one, like, like the one I highlighted was, um, hold on, I just lost it again. Um, it was on page 17. Don't pace yourself, just go until you fall over and then it will pick you up. Like that's what being a team is. That's but that's also part of being that individual on the team. You yeah. don't want to be the asshole on the team that sucks because they're yeah. not trying. Um, right. And that's a lesson I think everybody should have. You know, it doesn't matter where you work. You work at a restaurant. Yeah. If two of you suck and you're both a bartender, then guess what? People aren't getting drinks on time and you're not making money and everybody's fucked over. Yeah. It's just how it is if you're struggling then you call for help and then everybody works together and that is a and and that is like just such a huge lesson for i mean anybody it's so yeah. hard to learn to ask for help <laughs> yep um i mean when you learn about his childhood throughout the book though too you kind of start to figure out that he had a tough time doing that also oh my god yeah why do you think i mean yeah, I mean, when he gets to WWE in 2011, he's all strung out and yeah. dependent on a bunch of different substances. And, you know, part of that is of being there is to quit all that shit. Yeah, uh, definitely part of it. Um, he has conversations in this book about, um, about concussion issues. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things, other wrestlers. We've talked about the wrestlers that have committed suicide in the past, but to hear someone actually write about it and talk about it and like the experiences they've gone through with their friends in their own business, that's much different than hearing about it in a news story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's it, it puts a little bit more weight on it of, I just talked to this guy yesterday. We just fought in the ring together two months ago. And I haven't stopped talking to him since, and he still did it. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. How do you handle that? And, like, he he talks so sweet about his wife, right? Yeah, Renee. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, I mean, she's beautiful. I've, I've watched her all the time when she was on it. I watched the reality show that she was on for yeah. a bit because I really liked her. Um, and I think the Bella Twins are on it, too, a couple of them. Them. the Miz's wife I think was on it mm-hmm. um forget now I forget there's a couple other ones but um she was just so sweet and like you could tell that they understood each other 
you know, to be supporting through a time like that, that's got to be hard. <laughs> their marriage story, their story about their actual wedding Wild. is absolutely nuts. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> Something he does throughout this book, and I, I texted you this, I think. It was either texting or we were talking another time. He doesn't write this in your typical grammar. No, he write, writes it like he's talking to you. He's right next to you on a couch while you're watching a movie having this conversation. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible. It's really he never, fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it really is. Like, it, when he takes a break, <laughs> what? No, go on, go on. No, like when he takes a break, like his little tiny chapters that just pop in out of nowhere and they're so random. I tried not to look ahead because I started figuring out there's random shit that just pops up for no reason about how to make a perfect sandwich. The the appropriate way of eating a pretzel. Yeah, the entry point, how they didn't cut an entry point into the sandwich and... (laughs) Yeah, with this guy. Why the triangle is the most superior shape a sandwich could be in. Yeah, and it just, you know, I know, I know it sounds silly, but it makes you on his level as just another human being. Yeah. It's the things you think about when you're making a sandwich. You just put it on a page. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, but that's like the other thing. I never once thought about the, the difficulty of eating a pretzel. No, and I never considered it like an entry point. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, um, what did you think? Now, I, I imagine you loved it because we are who we are and we do this for a reason. Yeah. We talk about these things, but he constantly referenced music and movies for his motivations of life. Yes, and that's how you do it. That's awesome. That's what you do. Yeah. I've said it before that like sometimes whenever I'm faced with a difficult situation, I'll be like, come on, Mundo, fucking Luke Skywalker can fly a fucking X-Wing down a turbo pipe on the fucking Death Star and blow it up. But you can't do you can't do this stupid fucking thing. I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, <clears throat> he also, actually made me listen to start to listen to that Lana Del Rey album. I hated it, by the way. <laughs> Not my jam. Surprising <laughs> that he loves it. Yeah, it was a weird thing for me to like learn about him after, especially after I listened to it. Because I'm like, I don't I don't know how this pumps you up. <laughs> did you did you peep how me and him have like the exact same movie tastes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> he, bring, he brings up Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he really loved Terminator 2. And, how and he really you- shit on the other ones. <laughs> yeah, how couldn't you love Terminator 2? It's the fuck. I mean, he wasn't wrong in any of his viewpoints. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'll give him that. He was accurate in all of his movie opinions. He was right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's... He, he knows. <laughs> and then he talks about. <laughs> 
don't know why this was important to me, but I think it's hilarious how him and his mom watched Batman versus the Ninja Turtles before his AEW debut. Had nothing to do with it at all. He just wanted to talk about it. He's like, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, I, I got to look up this line. Um, so to get into like some of his indie fighting. Yeah. Um, it, he actually talks about his career. Like, yes. Like you get all this information <laughs> about like his past, his, his upbringing, his personal life. And all this shit, but man, the meat of this, like, that's like the bones that are sprinkled in between these awesome chapters where he's just describing, you know, sometimes in really gross detail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's happening on the end with him. Yep. Um, He, so he was able to mix... To your point there, he was able to mix his past in slowly, which does take skill. So between him and whoever helped him, they really framed this story well because you got to know him more throughout the book, and it wasn't just a big exposition dump, which was really nice. And that's the thing that's incredible about this the book and I and I just looked at it before we got on here because I didn't want to fucking lose my mind. But, you know, for a lot of these wrestling autobiographies, and I'm sure a lot of autobiographies in general, it says like the person's name with somebody, and that with somebody is normally the person that like spruces it up, makes it more of an autobiography yeah. than just you know what I mean than just like ramblings of an insane person about their own life which this could have easily turned into uh john moxley does not have a co-author on this no i did see that yeah um all the more impressive all the more impressive honestly yeah um like learning the bus stop story about how he was just like, I'm over you being a bully. I'm just going to kick your ass myself now. <laughs> it was very, it was very uh, George McFly. Yeah. And, and Biff. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he's not the only one that's had that story, right? No. But it's cool that he told it. Like, you don't... and. No, it just reminds you that once again, like you said earlier, like these are real people too. They go through the even even though yeah. they're rich and famous, they all a lot of these people also started out young and with bullies and with people they had to stand up to and 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 beliefs that they had to fight for. I mean, the guy lived in the slums, basically. Yeah, he lived in the shit part of town. He spent eight years or nine years not making any money trying to wrestle because he decided that's what he wanted to do with his life. Yeah, never had a real job. Not really. There was, I think, the one job he held for, what, two years or something? Yeah. 
and then I, yeah, think I, he got, long, I think he but... got fired because they found out that he was taking his sick time to wrestle or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it to have that much faith in yourself is scary. Yeah. Uh, good for him. <laughs> I mean, that is like where that like the cross section of like passion and tenacity comes in. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we we talked about it. We already know that he's he made his surprise debut to the AEW. By the way. That was not a thing that was known. Huge, massive, watched it live. It was incredible. I can't imagine your face. It was one of those, like, jump (laughs) off the couch, hands on my head. I'm screaming in in an empty room because I'm the only person watching it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But it was really interesting to read his time at the WWE because it never felt like a fit the way he frames it. In a way, like, look, it's so weird, like, looking back and watching his matches with the Shield and afterwards, because you feel that now. Yeah. Watch him in those things now, and you're like, he doesn't fit this. He doesn't. He shouldn't. He's different, man. He shouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah, and he's doing good. You know, he's a three-time world champion and held the belt for a long ass time at one point. He's undisputably the best one out of the shield. He's beaten Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Yeah. At one time, even in a triple threat match. Yep. Whooped that ass. Yeah. You know, and that's like what's so amazing about it. And yet he still doesn't fit in. And I, the one that I think officially sold me that sold me on that the story that was is when he does that. What's it? Uh, what's the name of it? Um, the match with the glass, and when he like had to step in at the end when the one guy actually got injured. No, go on with it. Yeah, um, I can't remember the name of it, but basically like no holds bar. Fans would create death traps for people to use and just destroy each other, like just wild stuff. I think the one was a table that had nails on it or something. Yeah, these death like, matches. What? Which, <laughs> these death matches, which for you know, for a young wrestler, it gets your name out there to a larger audience. But my God, yeah. at what what cost? At what cost? But his thing. I- I, I know, like, in the book, he says, and the, then the opportunity comes up, he goes, yeah, I'll be there, even though he doesn't know how he's going to get there. Yeah. But I feel like that was his thing. Like, the more pain he could feel, the more he felt like he was in a match. Yeah. That's unsafe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's not a good personality to have in some cases. But awesome. Because he'll go to the ends of the earth to make a show happen. Yeah. Um. Despite all the problems that could come with that, right? Your back pain, your just general aches and pains. Like, I know he took time off before the AEW thing, not as much as he thought he was going to have, but... Well, and then a little bit longer even after that, because he did get injured a little bit until... Yeah. Yeah, he kind of debuted and then had to quit back a little bit because he got injured in Japan, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which was another cool story about him. 
his relationship with Japan. G one baby. Yeah. Yeah, when he came once again, dude, when he came out in G1, I was like, oh my God, it's Moxley. The <laughs> <laughs> um, dude just, just does it all, man. Like, he's just happy with what he's doing. If he's not happy with it, he doesn't. In regards to those like uh, uh, death matches and those crazy <laughs> things, the way that I've been, I've, I've heard it recently described by one of the wrestlers, it, it was actually a woman who was in a match where they brought out thumbtacks. Jesus. <laughs> she got slammed on the thumbtacks and she was just like, you know, whenever you're in a match like that, you know, you're already beaten up. You're already bruised. You've been slammed up and down a hundred times. You've ran into the fucking ring post. You've been slammed on the stairs. You, at that point, like thumbtacks are just another little pain. Yeah, no, you're, <laughs> you're you're like numb a, to everything. Yeah, like your your like adrenaline is going so high that like who cares at that point? Yeah, no, that yeah, makes sense. Bring out the thumbtacks. Yeah, let's bring out the light tubes. <laughs> you know, um, is one of those? No, this is different. I have a random note on here, and I didn't remember what it was about him getting put in a bear costume. And I can't remember what... Oh, it was the night he got super drunk and high and didn't know what happened. (laughs) When he wakes up in a bear costume. (laughs) What a story. How about about the story of him, like, (laughs) getting his wife a a motorized scooter and then wrecking it immediately? And it'd be cool. What movie does he reference? I forget. I forget Um, too, but he's like, it'd be so cool peeling out of here doing a wheelie. (laughs) Then just bust an ass right in front of her her and her friend. (laughs) Uh, God, what a crazy dude. Uh, so yeah. what I have a question for you because um, obviously I enjoyed this book um, we got way more out of this one than what our original plan was I very much enjoyed actually for me I actually got aspects of the business that I don't go out of my way to learn yeah because uh, I honestly treat it like when I go to see Marvel movies I just like it way more it yeah. is pure enjoyment value for me. I don't go in looking to see how a movie is done when they say something to like trigger the other person to do something. I don't care about that. I care that someone got their ass beat. Yeah. That's all I care about. That and the cool ass entrances. Like, <laughs> give me yeah. all the glitz and glamour, all of it. Um, does his stuff improve with AEW? He is at the top of his game right now in AEW. Okay. He is doing the best work of his. He's he is he is right now uh part of a faction with Brian Danielson, whose real name who, who went by Daniel Bryan in yeah. WWE. He's part of a group with them <laughs> that he wanted the dragon uh, uh Danielson wanted to team with Moxley. 
but Moxley refused to team with him unless if they fought first. Because if Moxley says, I don't fight with anybody I can't bleed with. Or I don't team with anybody I don't bleed with. And so they had a fucking crazy fight. And as soon as... (laughs) What? Awesome. Oh, it was so good, dude. It was so fucking (laughs) awesome. And the match was over, and they're like screaming at each other. Moxley barely inches out the wind here. Barely inches out the wind. And so they're like arguing. They're like screaming at each other. The crowd's going insane because they're like, oh my God, this is going to set up a huge rematch. In walks maybe the biggest mistake of, of WWE's recent releases, a man by the name of William Regal. Okay. Who old wrestling fans will know from the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era, but he is a treasure of of wrestling he he cuts wicked promos but on top of that he's been wwe's nxt coach for like the past 10 years he's been the dude who's single-handedly been bringing up their young people yeah you know and he comes out and he's in the book right yeah he is yeah. yeah because him and him and moxley have a short feud in fcw um, and I remember watching FCW at the time, yep. and Regal always said about Ambrose, this is the young man that I'm afraid is going to retire me. Yep. What a way to put him over. You know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah. But Regal, Regal comes out, and he just hits both Moxley and Danderson with two harsh fucking paint job slaps right across the face. I'm going to stop you here. Just to hear the words paint job slap is awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just do. Yeah. I don't have to see it to know that someone got their face fucking smacked off. <laughs> and they like gained their composure, then shook hands and then left with Regal. And now Regal's leading them as a badass tag team. Awesome. And on top of that, They've also put out an open invitation to any young person who wants to go in to learn how to be a real pro wrestler. <laughs> you know, a tough guy, a fucking brawler. Dude, that's so different from the storylines I feel like you get in the WWE. And, and because this, this it, it, typically it's instantly we're not a friend plotline. Yeah. That's so different. It's so different. And they just got their first recruit, and and his name is Wheeler Yuta, and he's the fucking best. And he's had he's put on three excellent matches where he's put up really strong fights and just have barely lost to Danielson and Moxley, but put up enough of a fight that they're like, this kid is going places. He's tough yeah. enough. He's smart enough. He's strong enough. And, and he, he had to fight them to bleed with them. And he's bled with them. <laughs> you know, Moxley had his, dude, there's this shot that that where Moxley's like hit him with a forearm and Uter's, Uta's face is covered from top to his chin in fucking blood. And there's blood splashing out of his face from the force of the hit that Moxley just shot him with. It's awesome. <laughs> And he still never gave up. 
That's what matters. Yeah, so it's it's really cool. It's re- I'm I'm super interested to see. I'm always interested to see where these ones go, especially with uh with Moxley because, you know, it it's he was the AEW World Champion for so long that once you lose that and he was champion for almost a year, it's kind of like, where do you go from there? Yeah, and I think it feels like he's taken on this role where, yeah, he's the champion, but I think he's trying to... He's one of the people in AEW that shoulders the success of that, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. He was the champion during the entire pandemic era. Yeah, because it's him, what, Jericho was in it. Is he still in it? Yeah, Jericho's in it. Okay. I know he had like a shorter contract, but I didn't know if that was like a re-signed thing or yeah, he's how probably that worked. re-signing. Um Moxley's there. I mean, now yeah. they're now they have a bunch of people who jump ship. The biggest one is the return of CM Punk. Yeah. Yeah. How the fuck do you get CM Punk to come out of retirement? Money? I'll tell you what it, you know. <laughs> We can get real right here on this. <laughs> yeah. CM Punk. Um, so there's this guy who was wrestling for AEW. His name was, uh, he went by Brody Lee. And Brody mm-hmm. Lee was Luke Harper in WWE, a, a Wyatt family guy. Left yeah. WWE, went to AEW, had his own little faction, and actually feuded with John Moxley over the world championship. A, a feud that moxley won only by suplexing him through the stage and then knocking him out with a with a rear naked joke <laughs> couldn't even pin the dude i love wrestling <laughs> yeah, fucking great um but Brody lee was missing for like two months off of tv and nobody knew why we'd be on message boards on reddit and people would be asking is anything up with with Brody? We would be like, no, nobody knows. He's probably just taking a break with his family, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it's probably a, a injury that we all don't know about. And then out of nowhere, his wife announced that he died. Yeah. And it was awful. Oh, yeah. You know? And it was just really, and I remember thinking this at the time, like, man, it's really incredible that none of us knew that he was sick. That he'd been sick with, with, a, with a lung issue for like three months. And nobody knew it. Everyone in the company knew it. Yeah. But not a single person in that company let it slip to anybody that that's what was going on. That's a cool thing. Yeah, and that's really what Sam Punk was like. Yeah. That's how you handle that situation. It's private. It's a private matter. The family can let everyone know when the family determines that it's right for everybody to know. Yeah. And that's really what, yeah, CM Punk and Danielson have said that was a huge reason for them coming over to AEW was their handling of that private matter. Yeah, and I, I always felt like um, Daniel Bryan had an issue with how they treated his health back in the day. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, that seemed like the biggest bugaboo for him of, like, bro, my back's in serious pain. I cannot wrestle right now. 
Yeah. He's like, I'm just retiring. You're clearly being an asshole. Yeah, almost the exact opposite with him, man. Like, he's it's nuts what happened with him. Yeah. And the fact that they both found their way to, to this place, along with Mox. Yeah. Yeah, you want to talk about the number one money match that I want right now. Today. I need Mox and CM Punk. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I totally want that. I need Mox and Punk. Uh, and it, it's it's good because I just recently read a report um, from some insiders that were like, you know, yeah, there's been some feelers out from WWE to see when contracts are coming up and see if anybody's interested in jumping ship. And the one person that they mentioned was how happy John Moxley is in AW. Yeah. As he should be. He goes out there. Yeah. He comes out through the audience. You know, I don't know if he talks yeah. about him. I forget how much he talks about him in the, in the book. But one of Moxley's heroes is this dude, Onita. I feel like it was mentioned, but it wasn't a huge. He's the king of the death match in Japan. Mm. Onita is. Yeah, yeah, it was brought up. Yeah, he's the inventor of the barbed wire rope match. And Onita would enter the arena through the fans with Joan Jett's wild thing uh, blasting on the speakers, and the audience would sing along as he got into the ring. And it's kind of cool that even though he's this big fucking tough dude who bleeds a lot, he's coming out to a cover of Wild Thing by Joan Jett. And wouldn't you know it, where does Mox come from, the audience, and what's his theme? Wild Thing. Yeah, I know in the book he talks about how he wasn't going to do that, but then uh, the producer was like, no, you're doing that. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome, man. Trust me. <laughs> um, so sometimes you need other people to tell you what's gonna be good. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> and it clearly worked out. I'm happy for him. Yeah, and and, and just like a, a, a one more thing that I think is always amazing is self doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, and how much that could be like a detriment to your own ability and your own health and your own mentality. And it just seems like he was so much more nervous for his surprise appearance at AW's first show than he was for any of his title wins in WWE. Yeah, weird, right? You know, how he was like, <laughs> will anybody even care that I'm here? Yeah. The last few years of my career have been stagnant and uninteresting and I've been miserable and they haven't been great, greatly received by the fans. Will anybody care that I'm showing up and I'm and I'm going to be attacking the biggest dude here, the one dude that everybody in this audience fucking loves Kenny Omega. Yep. Chris Jericho, you know, he knows what he's talking about. He's got a next level mind for the business. He told him, and he says it in the book, he says, 
He says, you're going to be the biggest wrestler in the world when you come and do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he talks to him on the phone, right? Yeah. Yeah, he calls him. <laughs> yeah, he texted the wrong number. John Moxley yeah. texted the wrong number. How awesome is that? If you if anybody reads the book, that sounds something like he would do. Yeah, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. But Jericho's an asshole. He hasn't called me back. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about uh, uh, some jokes from Claudio real quick? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you explain. Wait, before we get into it, can you explain to me who Claudio is? Did I miss this? So, Claudio is a Swiss professional wrestler whose full name is Claudio Castagnoli, who most people will know as Cesaro from the WWE. Okay. Yeah. So, Claudio Castagnoli. Claudio Cesaro, big Swiss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly who that is. As, as he's been known to be called. Uh, he, he is so fucking funny. Uh, I used to love watching Up, Up, Down, Down anytime he was on fucking on the show. Because he is legit, like, the way that his mind works, it works in a way that is faster and more readily apparent for puns, jokes, and play on words that it seems like anybody's brain could possibly be working. And I think it's because he knows five languages. Oh, yeah, that could help. <laughs> you know, that his mind is already working faster than all of ours. No one yeah. wants to talk about having a fast moving brain. Yeah. You know, and he's just so fucking funny. But the thing that Claudio Castagnoli loves doing more than anything is dad jokes. Oh my God, they're so funny. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about those. Gotta have I accidentally swallowed a bunch of Scrabble tiles. (laughs) (laughs) My next trip to the bathroom could spell disaster. That one definitely got me. Lance isn't a very popular name nowadays. But in the Middle Ages, people were named Lance a lot. I don't I didn't like our trip to the Pennsylvania Dutch country. It felt like something was amish. Oh my god. It's so much better now that I know who he was referencing. Because I can picture Swiss him dude. in the ring and it's so yeah. not what I expected. Yeah, that's Claudio, bro. What? They told my check-in luggage that we won't be traveling much due to the coronavirus. I shouldn't have done it. I'm now dealing with a lot of emotional baggage. Uh, you so you mentioned the one joke talking about history. Um, John, yeah. he very much impressed me with his references back to history. Yeah, and I know you loved that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
Yeah, he. It's so strange because, I mean, I think he mentions that he either dropped out or only has a GED. He got his GED, yeah. Yeah, he got his GED. But, like, because he's so worldly traveled. Yeah. You know, he knows everything and and everything that he's learned, that he's had to almost teach himself everything. Yeah, it's just super cool that, I mean, I didn't think the guy was stupid, but I don't know what he knows, right? Like, you don't know these people on a personal level. Yeah. There are probably some people that in that business that strictly wrestle. They don't care about anything else. That's what they do. They eat, sleep, breathe wrestling. Yeah. I mean, he does that, but he clearly has other ambitions. Like, I'm sure down the road we'll get another book from him talking about what he wants to do later. Yeah. What do you think he would do? What, where do you think John Moxley goes if he had to retire from wrestling? Oh, my God. What does John I... Moxley do? Do you, Let me ask you this. Do you Ooh. think he could, he could make the transition to Hollywood? Oh. I, th- I think he could. Honest to God, I feel like he'd be great in like a John Wick movie as a first starter. You see, like that's exactly where I'm like, if he's like not a shit action movie like John Cena was in. Right. More like more like a good action movie that John Cena's yeah. later career would be in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I would imagine, like in the first movie, if I could recast the first movie of John Wick, he would be the son. Right. Immediately. First, my first thought, he's the son that's a yeah. total asshole. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I he that is like the perfect kind of role for for somebody like a like a John Moxley to start out in. I do think he could get better and he could do a more serious role because he has knowledge, like you said, worldly knowledge. He has knowledge that he's gone out and seeked himself. He has just street knowledge that he learned from having to grow up where he did. Yes. I do think he could do something there. Yeah. If anything, he works on the back end of it and he helps create things for people. He's great at promos. He Dude, talks about I it in the book. He, he could come up with a fucking badass fight scene in a John Wick movie. Oh my god, I want to see it. <laughs> I do. I want like tongue out, panting, coming at someone. Like I want it all. Blood dripping <laughs> down his face. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. No, I do think he could. Um, he should play a cannibal. <laughs> Really tap into that crazy John Moxley. <laughs> you know what I mean? You should play. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I could see it though. Yeah. I think it'd be good. I think he could make a transition if he really wanted to. I think so as well. Yeah. Uh-oh. I think that he could, that, that he's one of the most believable promos. And once again, the way that he conducts himself is different than every other pro wrestler. He, him yeah. and Eddie Kingston are like the two dudes that never <laughs> feel like they're part of a show. Yeah. 
that really feel like they're in there fighting for their lives. Yep. And that's why uh, it was so fucking awesome when they were fighting too. I believe it. <laughs> I believe that. Is there because there's no other way to watch AEW, right? Besides TV right now? Maybe fight TV. Fight.tv. Okay. All right. Um, because I would go out of my way to watch that. Yes, it's good. Yeah, just that's good. Yeah, Every I know that my they, way for that. There's, there's talks about them moving into uh, a spot in uh, HBO Max or starting their own streaming service. I heard about the streaming service. I did not know about the HBO Max. Yeah. That would be sweet. Even if That would be a smart move for HBO. Weekly Dynamites on HBO Max, you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah any last comments on this guy because i i respect him so much more now that i've read this book yeah i know we i mean we were going to read it anyway but i'm so glad we did i'm so glad i got to learn about him uh you know you bring up the acting but honestly based on the book and what i have watched of him back in the day with you and a little bit after college if he puts his mind to something, I think he gets it done. Same. Um, I don't think it matters. Acting, writing, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think he'd be awesome. Sure. <laughs> At whatever. Yeah. Um, lessons to take into our own lives. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything else I could say about you. I mean, he's been one of my favorite wrestlers since he was in the shield in 2014 and you know probably moved into as being my favorite wrestler whenever he started whooping ass in new japan in 2019 yeah you know at I'm, this I'm, point i think i just want him and edge to work together somehow well with edge that would be cool Hey, what do you think about WrestleMania this year? Oh, yeah, we never caught up on that, did we? Yeah, let's review WrestleMania real quick. Uh, this was a tough one. Um, I will say the second day, I skipped over a few matches because they were just not interesting. Second day was rough for WrestleMania. Um, first day, balling. That was... First day was cool shit. Okay, my only main complaint, and and I know I'm in the fucking minority here. I am so angry that Kevin Owens lost to Stone Cold. Yeah, I I wasn't quite a fan of that either. Fucking pissed off about it. I get the pageantry. I got it. Like he comes back, and I got it. To me, you you spent Kevin Owens now spent three months attacking Texas. I know, his jokes were so funny. (laughs) Only to be beat up by a dude who has been retired for more than 20 years. Yeah, like, that just felt off. I hated it. I hate... I I didn't hate the match. I just wish Kevin Owens won it. Yeah. I do wish that I wish one, now that you say, I wish that Kevin Owens had won. I thought that already. 
But if they had had him lose and then that be the reason he comes in the next night and does that to Pat McAfee and Vince McMahon, that is awesome. Would have been even better. Yeah, that would have had motivation for doing that. Yeah, for like, you fucking brought me in here to get my ass whooped. Yeah, I'm going to kick your ass now. Like, here yeah. we go. But, um, I mean, the first night had an incredible <laughs> fight between Edge and AJ Styles that just goes on to prove that one, AJ Styles is the greatest wrestler that, it, that WWE has right now. Bar none. He's good. And He's number so technically two, good. That number two, Edge is a fucking all-timer. We and I that. really haven't been feeling this edge return for a long time that to the point that I'm like, why did he even fucking come back? Yeah. And that was like the first time in a long fucking time, dude, that I was like, that's my fucking edge. Yeah. Yeah. And I dude, love that was this awesome. Character that he's doing right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's my favorite. I was happy to watch him wrestle at all, yeah, but it I was a great match. And that was even better. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Him and Dean Ambrose slash Mox are my two, like, ride or die wrestlers. If they're on, I'm watching it. Yeah, 100%. Happy to watch them. Um, I I did have a complaint. My biggest complaint, I think, was the Becky Lynch. Bianca Belair fight. Yeah. I just thought the ending was weak for what it was built up to. Um, I mean, they really fucked it up the whole the whole thing from the beginning with SummerSlam. Yeah, uh, Becky coming out and beating <laughs> Bianca Belair in like thirty three seconds, and I mean, it was really fucked up. And now they, they were like trying to do some like damage control with it, where yeah. Becky was in an interview and she was like, "What you think that it'd be an interesting story if I came out after my long time return and she beat me in my first match? No, I have to beat her." And so that way she has to build. I'm like, yeah, but you don't have to fucking do it in 33 seconds. Yeah. No. How about, it's... how about you make it a competitive fucking fight? <laughs> you yeah. know, like. If you're going to do it, if you're going to do it that way, make it a Seamus boot to the face. Okay. Make it something we're going to remember. Yeah, and that's the only <laughs> way it'll ever work. Baby. Yeah. Like, that's it. That is the one moment I will always go back to watching the wrestling stuff with you. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? That was <laughs> he's only lost. Maybe <laughs> so good, uh, but like no, thirty-three seconds lame. <laughs> I did not know that. Not a fan. Uh, but I don't know. I guess I just didn't like the way the fight had been good, and I I feel like it just they prolonged it longer than it had to go. Sure, they each one kept getting out of the stuff, and I'm like, okay. She just blew her up. There's no way she's coming back from that one after they just got away from three other ones and they somehow, I don't know, it worked out. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Pat McAfee, though. Yeah. He was very impressive in there. I was not expecting that. that. uh, Adam Cole match with him that I told you about. I don't think I went back to watch it. No, yeah, he had a no disqualification match in NXT against Adam Cole. That may be the greatest non-wrestler <laughs> match of all time. So he's an interesting guy because he's naturally athletic as it is. Well, and see, like I'm happy 
I, I used to not like it when WWE would bring in these celebrities and these outside athletes. Yeah. But whenever it's somebody like Pat McAfee or even fucking Logan Paul. Yeah, he was good. Oh my god, he's dude, he's the he did the 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 triple vertical suplexes, the, the Eddie Guerrero <laughs> three amigos better than like real fucking pro wrestlers try to do the three amigos he was awesome dude he was awesome i fucking my thing with him was he was a little too boxery at some points i don't care dude that's his gimmick right now that's who he is yeah that's good you lean into that um yeah that's true but, but like you bring in these people that clearly know wrestling and yeah. love wrestling when they said he had the Pokemon card on him, I'm like, this guy's ridiculous. The nine hundred thousand dollar <laughs> laminated Pikachu. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. This dude's so- hamming it up right now, and he is loving this moment in his life. Yeah. Regardless never- of what you think of him. Yeah. For sure, dude. You gotta love it. So great. And then um, Matt McAfee coming out with all the Dallas uh, cheerleaders. Yeah. <laughs> that, listen, I get it. Like, the dude has a wife. He has a happy family. But who doesn't want to come out to all the Dallas cheerleaders? Yeah, it's fucking dumb. Come on. I'm like, please. Imagine being the one person who caught a um, kicked football at a wrestling event. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. So uh, uh, worked worked a really good match against Austin Theory, uh, up and comer. I'm kind of in the middle on him. I really don't give a fuck about him. I was not. I'm not impressed by the gimmick they're going for with him. His gimmick is that he just takes selfies with everybody. I, yeah, but where's like, dude, and he took one with Vince McMahon where it looks like he has twice the amount of teeth that he should have. (laughs) Maybe that, maybe that's what it is. He's like, he's too perfect. I don't know, dude. Here in the builder, I don't know what it is. I'm gonna um, (laughs) Google it real quick for you. So you can see. Uh, I also don't tend to like the whole when Vince McMahon takes on like another wrestler as his rah-rah guy or like picks a favorite because then the matches just get stupid. You know, I he hasn't done it in so long that I don't mind it. I don't mind it this time around. I mean, it's been a long, long fucking time um since vince mcmahon has been a regular character on the show oh nice yeah i didn't realize that well i guess you know what he did have triple h and all that for a while that kind of i feel like took the hold on that yeah that was the fucking worst dude (laughs) he writes he writes about that in the book (laughs) it was not good I mean, it, I mean, it was it was literally called the Reign of Terror. Know what I mean? Yeah, that's not good. And I don't know. Like, I feel like 
maybe part of that whole weekend that because who was was it Raymond Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar? Uh, yeah, as the as the uh, main event. Yeah, like I can't even remember who won. I can't because it was boring and bad. That's why I can't. Like yeah. I, it just didn't resonate with me. Like even the Becky Lynch and the other one resonated with me more because they, dude, Becky Lynch sells the shit out of a fight. Dude, Becky, and that's why Becky Lynch is the greatest female wrestler on the planet right now. Yeah, she's so good. <laughs> and that ended a, a long ass undefeated streak of hers too. Yeah. Um, Check this out. Check out this selfie. <clears throat> All right. Oh my God! What is, is that? <laughs> For those of you listening, he's got about eight hundred teeth. How does his mouth? His mouth is too wide. For his how face. does his I'm mouth look sure. so unnatural? <laughs> how does that look like not a real human being? I don't. I feel like if you went to like the Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Dude, and Vince McMahon <laughs> flat out looks like a Muppet. Yeah. He's got to retire soon. Vince, he's, yeah. you know, Vince will never retire. No, no, he won't. I didn't say he would. I just said he should. <laughs> yeah, he should have done been retired, dude. Especially yeah. now that he's fucking kicking. He's kicked Triple H out of the NXT spot. Did he? Yep. And I feel now like there's NXT, some poor decisions happening on that and now side NXT of things. Sucks. I haven't heard much about NXT in a while, even from you. Yeah, that's how you know it's been bad. <laughs> yeah, that's so they must. So do they have a lot of people? So their whole thing in the right wings now right now. That, so their whole thing right now is that they no longer want to be like taking wrestlers from the indies. They want to find athletes and train them to do WWE style wrestling in like a WWE style warehouse instead of taking wrestlers who have been working as wrestlers for five to 10 years elsewhere. That is so not going to work out well. I mean, it isn't if it's (laughs) also, okay. Another thing about WrestleMania, if it's any consolation, all of their (laughs) biggest and most popular people are all the people who were former wrestlers elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you think, since you're the one that's going to be regularly watching these things between most of us in the group, um, about this new guy that they kept touting around the whole weekend who had just won, I guess, the college wrestling championship or something? You want to know something fucked up about him? What? He probably raped a girl. What? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a thing that's out there. So, Gabe Stevenson uh-huh. has been accused of raping a girl uh, while going to, well, attending university. Yeah. Uh, in Wisconsin, Montana, one of those places up northeast, right? The thing is, is this state has a law that if the if you can prove that the girl was drunk on that night, the rape accusation pretty much just gets tossed out immediately. 
real problem with the whole thing you just said there. And this is a <laughs> real law that is in a real state that exists in the very real United States of America. And so you're saying that most... this loophole of a law that Gabe Stevenson was not convicted of rape. Eh. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> it's a lot of information I'm tossing out at you at once. So I'm not saying he did it, obviously. I'm not saying that. He no, we don't know. I'm just that. saying that there's a, a really weird law that prevented <laughs> any sort of investigation as to if she was actually raped by this man. I don't know that now, I respect that state any longer. <laughs> it's hard to, huh? Yeah, that's yep. that should be looked at very considerably. <laughs> it has been and approved by the state Congress God. and Senate. Ah. <laughs> My mind's blown right now. I know, dude. It's so sad, isn't it? I don't know. We're gonna have to move past this because that's a, that's a conversation for another time. I wasn't prepared. For I don't that. think that's a conversation for any time. But you wanted my opinion on him. That's my yeah. opinion. I literally don't know how to feel about him. I definitely look at him differently now. Yeah, I want to be. I mean, I wasn't impressed with his wrestling. Yeah, because I, personality, I know but that he's a you know obviously a gold medal medal Olympian. Yeah. But at. Like you, I, you can't uh, ignore a rayback. <laughs> no, it's you can't just ignore that as if it never happened. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So they're you know they're really finding that good talent. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, you know exactly. Yep. Doing real good background checks over at the WWE. But, hey, you know what? They just fired somebody because their own wife posted a selfie that they posted like 10 years ago of them having a Hitler mustache and doing a Nazi salute. You'll hire him. Okay. <laughs> yep, he was fine. <laughs> ah! <laughs> so mad. Yep. Hey, this is Corporations hey, are so stupid. Our, I mean, I get it. He's not proven guilty, but whatever. In the words of Bret Hart, uh, the real world in the cartoon life of wrestling. <laughs> um, so <laughs> to build off of that topic somehow, yeah. Have you watched the last duel? I love the last duel. Did you? I did. I'm gonna I need thought, an explanation. I thought the last duel was excellent. I thought it was dull. Yeah, you would, because you don't like cerebral movies, Patrick. We've been through this before. No, I just didn't think... No, you, that just, don't differences... like, you just don't like movies where they don't give you the all the information that you need. You don't like movies that require you to piece it together yourselves. You want every answer in the movie. That's like half of the... I or... did piece it together. Well, yeah, but no, you can't piece it together because it's showing you three truths. Right. You know, and like you can't 
you can't trust any of them because we all have our own perceived truths, right? Yeah. So the movie is just giving you three different truths and based on what you know of these characters, who they are, how they present themselves in their own truths, it is leaving it up to you to kind of suss out what really happened. And I still land on the middle one. I agree with the one where she kind of wanted it and allowed the chase to happen. Oh my God, dude. If I had to pick one, I'm on, a, I'm on that opinion. That's a problem. Okay, so you're actually on Gabe Stevenson's side. You think that he's I'm innocent on, like, because, the half because she was drunk. <laughs> and she no, probably she was not drunk. It. Did you see the way she was dressed? <laughs> Patrick, I have to ask you, what number would you give it <laughs> on our scale? <laughs> on our well, okay, okay. All right. <clears throat> on our Remind What's me Matt Damon's Matt version. Scale. Yeah, can you <laughs> remind me Matt Damon's version? Because the other two are already ranked in my head. They have them for the next time we talk. So remind me the first one. <laughs> what was Matt Damon's version? He didn't know anything about it, right? He Not just until took the... he, he gets home and she admits it to him, yeah. Yeah, so like she, he doesn't act... Because he can't actually picture it happening. So like... His his was like a hole, a hole. Because what's he gonna do? Maybe a three quarter. Because he was like, I don't know if I believe you. Because you're a little slutty. Like I feel like he had this feeling about her. Because he asked her, "Did you do anything to provoke it?" So he didn't quite believe her. Okay. Right? One. Okay. Second one. Her opinion of what happened. That's a halfer. I thought she wanted it. Gave okay, the chase that's, away that's until Adam, the end when she was like, this kind of hurts. Adam Drivers. <laughs> Adam Drivers, whatever. You know Version what I mean? Of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because she gently the, takes her shoes off and is the, like, chase me upstairs. literally the rapist's version of the story. Yeah, that was a halfer. I bought into his, his view. Uh, the last one was just gone. So it would be hers that she was, yeah, that was a whole. It was okay. not good. So we have a quarter, a half. A three quarter, a half, and okay, a whole. A three quarter. So we're still, you're still giving this like a, what, like a 60%? Yeah, it was still a rape. You're round enough. Like either way a rape happens. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> wow. I didn't expect you to be a, a gaslighter on this one. <laughs> wow what a piece of human garbage you are patrick <laughs> what hey i'm just telling you what the movie gave me yeah and i she don't generally know how... took her shoes off in adam driver's version and she wanted it her shoes fell off because she no was... that was the last one when she did it hurriedly okay the second she one was, she took she her time placed them at the bottom of the stairs ripped on the stairs and her shoes fell off no, not the second one. Not Adam that's, Driver's version. No, the, the third, that's why her shoes came off. Adam Driver's like, oh, she daintily took off her shoes and yeah, right upstairs. Right. Listen, he's not good looking enough to get a hole, okay? Nobody's going to give him that much access. You are so fucking out of line <laughs> with this read on this movie, bro. You are so out of line with the read on this movie. 
That's how I saw it. <laughs> That's how you saw it. Because even some of the eyes she gave him in the middle throughout the thing starting the, and all of a sudden. During the rapist's telling of the story. Yeah. Of course yeah. the rapist is going to say that. Okay, so you somehow missed. It's the you, most believable. You somehow missed how the only consistent thing in all three stories, even Adam Driver's, is that he's dishonest and duplicitous. He even and he even like details different ways that he undercuts, lies to, and manipulates Matt Damon's character in his own story. So how could you possibly believe his telling of events? The acting. I don't know what to tell you. Oh my god. The acting. Oh, the acting. Yeah. She was excellent. His acting? So all of it. acting? <laughs> yeah, you're right. That is a funny joke. <laughs> You are, yeah. I just, I'm giving him too much acting credit. <laughs> yeah. Well, whenever you're that ugly, you, you can't you gotta have something. You know, you can't rely on your looks. You know, you have so, to just nail it as an actor. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> wow. I don't know. There was enough. You're a real piece of garbage. Like, you know that? <laughs> You're a real piece of garbage, you know? <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that it was, I thought that it was, I thought it was like a fun little, I thought it was a mystery. I thought it was a, a fun yeah. <clears throat> medieval mystery. I, I w- went into it hoping that it would be like a sword and sandal, big fucking fight action adventure thing and i was pleasantly surprised that it was instead this like kind of like who done it adventure uh, detective sort of thing yeah. that ended in a really really good climactic battle between matt damon and and yep. what's his name ugly it's better than death in the nile so you know didn't see death in the i have no interest in any hercule bureau Here's my, let me give you my biggest complaint of those particular movies. And it just drives me nuts because as a moviegoer, I want to watch and try and figure the mystery out, right? That's the whole point. It's a mystery movie. But what those movies do and Murder at the Orient Express is just as, you know, accusing of, of doing this. Plus the ending of Orient Express is fucking stupid. They all had a hand in it. Like what? So what this movie does is it takes the perspective of every single character that's important has a really good motive for wanting to murder this person. So as an audience, you can't possibly follow this movie and think you know what happened. Isn't I hate that the, it. Isn't that the point of a good mystery? Yeah, but it never gives you anything to sus people out. You just said that they all have good reasons for doing it. Yeah, but there's never anything where one person has a better reason than another, so I don't feel like I can be like, oh, I think I know. 
but wouldn't that make it a more interesting case? No, it doesn't. Disagree, because I feel like that's no. the exact way that Knives Out was set up, and Knives Out was amazing. I thought Knives Out gave you a little more, though, for you to be like, okay, I don't think it's this person now. Where it gave you little pieces where you could like make some decisions. I don't remember. Dude, it's been so long since I'd seen that. But, yeah. but I didn't get that vibe from that movie. Yeah. See, like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I I have never seen either of these movies, so I don't really know what you're talking about. But to yeah. me, that sounds like a better movie than what you're describing it to be. Maybe you just don't <sighs> like mysteries. Uh, maybe. Yeah, that maybe that's what we're figuring out about you right now, Patrick. Even if it's historical, maybe it's just a mystery and I don't like it. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you don't like, like, because here's the deal, like, with a mystery, like, you do have to put the reveal in a way that it makes it feel worthwhile that I went through the experience of watching this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I just like to feel smart and know that I figured something out. And I there's none of those things let me do that. Well, you no, have I mean, to wait for Her- Hercule to give some fact out that you wouldn't have thought of, which is very Sherlock Holmesy. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like not getting information for the mere fact of not giving it to us. Well, I mean, do they give it to you and you just didn't notice or like, because like, here's the deal, like a good (sighs) twist, a good twist should be able to have been figured out if the twist was not given to you. The problem is I did figure it out and it was the easy option and that made me angry as well. Yeah, then I, th- I would say that that's not a good twist then. Yeah, it was the easy answer to why things went down the way they did. Oh, it's the exact opposite. They were like, they tried to pull the old double switcheroo on you. Yeah. <laughs> They're that's like, what I oh, mean. it's like, so obviously this guy. You know what? My brother and I, and we're like way off. The- now we're just talking about shit we watch now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so- no, that's fine. We moved on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My brother. I figured you'd pick up on that. We're good. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we're done talking <laughs> yeah. about John fucking Moxley. We love him. Yeah, that's all. Love people, him. That's all you guys need. Go. Greatest of all time. Mox. He's gonna, be, he's gonna be in the Mount Rushmore of greatest wrestlers ever. Yeah. By the time he yeah. retires, uh, my brother and I have been watching Rat in the Kitchen. I don't even know what that is, but I'm excited to hear about it. It's a it's a cool forty minutes. <laughs> it's a it's a like cooking competition show okay where there are six cooks and they're all tasked with making multiple dishes working in teams of pairings and sometimes threes uh however one of the cooks is a rat and they're secretly trying to ruin all the other cooks dishes it's cool you know, and like it's fun yeah. to play along with because like you watching it, you're also trying to figure out who the rat is. But it's okay. happening in like real life. And so like you're like, eh. <laughs> and a couple episodes ago, there was this dude, he's like, he introduced himself. He's like, I'm a fitness instructor. I just got into cooking. 
so that way I could teach my, my clients how to eat healthier while they're exercising. And this dude is so fucking incompetent in the kitchen. And I was like, there's no way. I was like, there's no way you could purposefully be sabotaging anything. Because I'm smart enough to do it. <laughs> because he's not smart enough to do it. And he pulled the double switcheroo on me, dude. It was him the whole time. He was actually really good at cooking. Yeah. <laughs> And everything that they were like, this is messed up, this is messed up. He was like, yep, did that, did that, did that. Here's how I did that, did that. That's good. Yeah, I, I like, like it. Homie is so incompetent that there's no way he could possibly be messing something up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he wouldn't know how to mess it up. Yeah, that's like, I feel like what they try to do with the death on the Nile, but... Yeah, it was, yeah. I don't know, just disappointing. I also was forced to see the new Fantastic Beast movie. It's fine. I have literally zero interest in that movie. It's better than the first two, but that's not saying much. I do not believe you. <laughs> no, it was. It had an actual plot line that made sense. But It wasn't I a great plot, Okay, so my sense. problem with the Fantastic Beast movie <laughs> is that I don't want the Fantastic Beasts movies to be about fucking Dumbledore's relationship problems. Amen. It was not good. <laughs> no, And I don't want this one to be either. That's the tagline of this one. Secrets of Dumbledore. This one is all about that. Yeah, and I hate that. That's why Entirely. That's why I won't go seeing it. Because mm -hmm. I just want magic animal Steve Irwin going around and shoving his thumb up magical creatures asses dude that is my biggest complaint of all of them like that first one had a whole bunch of that stuff and then they were like we don't need to do that anymore i'm like but but it was and cool that's, and that's why there's no <laughs> it wasn't a great movie but it was cool and that's why i'm telling you there's no way that this one could be better than that one because the moment you take that out and put in <laughs> dumbledore's relationship problems oh. is the moment that this movie loses my interest Okay, I'm going to give you a spoiler because you're not going to watch it, and I know this would drive you nuts if you watched it. Oh, great. So if anybody wants to hear this, skip like a few minutes of what we're talking about here. So <laughs> the one guy, um, I can't remember his name now. He's the, he was the, the black guy in their group. I can't think gives a shit, remember his name now. <laughs> Who um, gives a fuck? I do because it's rude, but I don't remember, so that's how it is. You don't remember and... the character's name, and you don't remember the actor's name. That's rude. no, but there's a reason for that. So in this movie, is it because in the last one, the guy the same? He no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's because you know how he kills his sister in the other one. Yeah. So <clears throat> there. So the whole premise is them creating chaos as to make a plan so that way they can't follow them and figure out their plan. So they're just going to do chaos, and that's how they're going to make a plan. I'm like, okay, that's a bad idea to start. And yeah, that's sure, a, let's do that. That sounds the exact opposite. First of all, that sounds like the exact opposite of a plan. Yeah. Like, uh, what are you going to do next? I don't fucking know. Yeah. So you tell this, me. <laughs> yeah right so they send this guy they go okay we want you to infiltrate grindelwald 
and be a part of his team. So he's like, cool, bro. I got Did you. Did he even mention <clears throat> even a little bit how Grindelwald doesn't look the same that he did in the last movie? Does anybody even <clears throat> say anything about nope, it? Nope, they ignore it entirely. Right. Um, you know, they ignore that completely. And so he goes up, he goes to meet with Grindelwald at wherever his little stronghold is. And um, Grindelwald's like, listen, here's the deal. You're going to stay with me. I'm going to take the memory of your sister out of your brain. And I'm going to suck your balls while doing it. I mean, he, he may as well have. Because essentially, this guy turns into a robot with like a blank face for the entire movie. He never says another word, really. He doesn't act at all. He just puts like a straight like no smile, no sadness, just a like flat lips on his face and walks around like a robot. And then at the end, he pops up and he turns heel on Grindelwald's guards all of a sudden. Out of nowhere, oh, he does like a face magic spell. Yeah, he just does <laughs> that. And I'm like, I don't understand what you were here for. <laughs> what are you here? You did nothing in this like, whole we, movie. And they're like, we did say chaos was the plan. Yeah, but like, he doesn't do anything. Oh. And it because it makes it like the way he acts, it makes it look like Grindelwald took more than just his sister's memory. Like he basically just wiped him clean. Yeah, like he was in another science. Yeah, that was like a genie. That was like a genie <laughs> where you're like, I want to erase yeah. this one memory, but instead <clears> it erases <throat> all memories. Yeah, you lobotomize it. I'm like, I don't understand. Where'd your character go? Your character doesn't leave, just your sister memory does. <laughs> what happened? So I got very mad at this character. Did yeah. not understand the move. Oh, don't um, they do a little uh, uh, crab walk in that movie? Dude, that was cute. That was the best part. <laughs> They're all like fangy, and then he does like this weird like gyration with his hips and his hands up. I'm like, this is ridiculous, but I'm loving this. Sure. Uh, it's also the darkest part of the movie, but also makes absolutely no sense. So you, so you're one of the few people who actually went to see this movie. Yeah, this has the worst opening box office of any Harry Potter movie, and it should. <laughs> it should. Does it tease a sequel at the end? Dude, there's five. Five sequels. There's still two more. Well. Not anymore. Probably. No, there will be. They've they're already planned. Well, that but they're not greenlit. That's true. They That's didn't say saying. they were this, greenlit. This, this opening box office is so bad that they just might not go forward with them. I don't think they should. Even Mads couldn't save it. And that's a fucking problem, isn't it? Yes. If you can't put Mads in as Grindelwald, even if you don't mention why it's Mads all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah. that dude is the ultimate villain. Of well, like and not only that, but I, I've, I've read somewhere, and, and somebody put it perfectly, they were just like, Mads Mikkelsen is the true reviver of franchises. You put him into fucking mm -hmm. anything. And yeah. he's, you know, he's the bad guy in Casino Royale, the best yeah. James Bond movie dude. ever. Hannibal's incredible. Hannibal's incredible. He is so good in that show. He's the voice of Thrawn in in Star Wars Rebels. And I believe yep. he's going to be playing Thrawn in the Disney Plus TV shows that are going to be coming out for Star Wars. I will watch that because of that. And oh, I would not have. Thrawn <laughs> is like my favorite 
like non-movie character in Star Wars ever. He's so fucking cool. He can't save your movie. You've just made a bad movie. And that's just a fact of it, bro. <laughs> that's it. That's not your opinion anymore. Because even Jude Law is good. Yeah. The two of them together should have been movie magic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. They tried. They saved some parts. You know, if, if Mads puts in a few more great performances, we might move him into the Batista Nick Cage category on this podcast. I like this idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he I don't think he's there. I still didn't hate him in the movie. He did what he could with what he was given. Of course. Yeah, we're not blaming it on Mads. You can't blame no. Mads. No. It's fine. You can't blame it on the Mads Mm-mm. Mickelson. Nope. Yeah. What else have you been up to before we peace out here? Uh, I bought an Xbox. Nice. Yeah. It's great. The S or the X? The S. Okay. The all digital one, baby. That's one I wanted and Steve wouldn't let me get it. Why? Because if a game came out on the disc he wanted to buy the disc and like whatever i'll buy the expensive one and <laughs> <laughs> buy the one that's two hundred dollars more it's fine whatever man <laughs> what's it gonna, gonna do just be there in its case the whole time that you're done with he likes that he likes to buy the cds and stuff i don't i don't get it i whatever whatever <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, sure. don't get me wrong. I'm gonna buy the new Xenoblade game special edition, but there's not a lot of games that I stop my life for. <laughs> yeah, you love the so, games. I still have not yeah. played one of them. They moved it up to July, man. Oh, dude! I'll tell you what. I'm super stoked for the uh, forthcoming Harry Potter RPG. That looks kind of good. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in playing that myself. Yeah. I feel like that's um, I feel like that's either gonna make or break Harry Potter. I, I think feel it'll like, make it. Because I feel like people are like kind of done with movies, kind of done with the books. Yeah. And if it can't successfully now pivot into the video game realm, I don't know what else JK Rowling could do. And if it does succeed. You can literally just add DLC with new Harry Potter universe stories. Yeah. You don't have to do a lot of hard work there. The video game people can do it. It's easy. Yeah. It's like making- just do a really interesting story and let go of it. Like, don't bullshit around. Don't have three other authors writing it with you. Write it yourself. Make it good. Or make here's it a better universe. idea don't do anything and just tell somebody who's a better storyteller than you to create it. Right. That's what I'm saying. Give do the story what, to the game people. Do what George <laughs> Lucas did with Empire Strikes Back and say, I created something. I literally don't know what I'm fucking doing anymore. Please help. <laughs> and then you get one of the greatest movies of all time. And then you get one of the greatest <laughs> movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah. It's that easy. So, yeah. I think that one would be fun. Um, That could be a fun one for us to do together. A review of the Harry Potter game. Yeah. We'll see. Could be. It could be. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If if it's a really bad game, it'll be a really fun episode. If it's a really good game, it's probably going to be a less fun episode. (laughs) 
that's the case with everything though yeah it's just so much more fun to talk about something when it's bad could you imagine if we had actually done this on the boys it'd be so boring and talked about ron and clint's very non-interesting life (laughs) (laughs) how can the kiddos find us they can find us more through all of their uh, podcast streaming platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Podbeam, what have you. Get us a fucking rating on there. Uh, let us know what you think. Email us at popcultureforce at gmail.com. And most importantly, share it with your friends and family people. Right. Yeah. That's what we need. Yeah, we need just just get the listen up. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we may have lost what few listeners we have from Patrick's green light uh, gaslighting of the female protagonist in the last duel. Um, an opinion that is at least questionably problematic. <laughs> a movie it's not real okay let me put this out there deshaun watson has 22 cases against him i highly doubt he is avoiding all 22 cases in actuality (laughs) okay let me just put it out there yeah but you have to also admit the fact that they're like that's 22 more cases than what a normal man should have and that's a problem right because one is too many. No, yeah, no, you. I agree. Yes. Right. So he's but, a bad guy. I didn't say he was a good guy. But well, I wasn't are you judging? Are you saying that driver? Are you saying he's a bad guy? He is a bad guy. Boom. Therefore, uh, Adam Driver's character in the last duel is a bad guy. Called it. Nailed it. <laughs> On our way out, hashtag Batista for the next duel. <laughs> Batista for the next duel. <laughs> He'll fucking kill Adam Driver and Matt Damon and the King and Ben Affleck. <laughs> and run away with his prize. <laughs> Dude, Ben Affleck was 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 Ben I Affleck. I hated him in that movie so was much. Ben Affleck in the last duel, the most distracting thing in that movie. His makeup was so bad. What is up with his hair? <laughs> I don't know. And the orgy thing? He always wanted to have an orgy. I thought that was awesome. I was like, that is very, <laughs> that is very medieval, like, lordship to me. <laughs> the first time he said, take your pants off, I thought it was like, all right, it's one of those. And then the second time I laughed, when he walked in the door, he's like, just take your pants off. <laughs> like, Come on, just take your fucking pants off. <laughs> All right, Patrick, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, next time.